Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from down under. And we sit down to discuss a pretty crazy last uh, three or four days as the transfer window slammed shut uh, and an absolute debacle it was. Then we played Man City the day after, got absolutely flogged, and we saw the passing of uh, our ex-owner, Mohamed Al-Fayed. Here to discuss absolutely everything, we have Sammy. How are we going? I'm really not prepared, like, for this, to be perfectly honest. I'm so tired. <laughs> like, I'm just genuinely so tired after this week. Like, I feel like I'm already coming down with something. Yeah. Oh, I have no idea what this is going to be. This is going to be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be something for sure. Uh, and Dad, how are we going tonight? It's probably perfect preparation for tonight's discussion, Sam. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, been a weird week, a uh, completely weird week. But uh, there we go. I'm going to reference the pimple that was on your face, Sammy. It's been popped and we're all recovering now. Oh, um, I used to have a mole here and I think it's actually like, I think I've ripped off the mole with the stress that I've had to endure this week. I'm like, genuinely I'm very burnt out. <laughs> Uh, well, I will start by um, saying down here in Australia, it's currently Father's Day. So seeing as we're sitting here on a podcast with our father, it's worth us saying happy Father's Day, Dad. Hey. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I had a lovely day today. At, uh, long, I, 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 had, I did long distance with uh, one of my kids and, uh, and spent the rest of the day with, with the rest of them. It was very lovely. <laughs> now let's dive into the ship. So, um, <laughs> happiness <let's>, ends. <laughs> yeah, let's let's first short. start by talking talking about the uh, the game on Saturday. Uh, a, a drubbing is what I called it in the intro. And um, look, it was, but as as many many people have said, um, I don't think the scoreline reflects the overall performance. Uh, we were messaging back and forth during the game as we usually do, and I, I really think it was actually incredibly positive. Uh, about 10 minutes in, I messaged saying, geez, we, we're looking pretty up for this today and it's all looking good. After about 20 minutes, I said, I think this is possibly the best we've played all season so far. Admittedly, only four games in, but um, we went 1-0 down against Man City. Most of the time, that is absolutely game over uh, when you're playing against a juggernaut like that. But we hit back within, it was something like 70 seconds, I think we'd equalised. Tim Ream mm. getting his goal. Um, and look, the big talking point, which we'll get onto, is the uh, the goal that was scored uh, pretty much on the stroke of half time by Nathan Ake, completely unmarked. The ball goes basically through Akanji's legs, uh, which not necessarily blocks Leno's view, but definitely forces him to second guess his initial movement. Uh, at which point, it gets referred to VAR, and everyone thought that was getting turned over, and somehow. It just gets allowed. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the comments from Harland after the game saying, if I was Fulham, I'd be furious because I thought it was offside. Um, mm. it's, it, it's, it was a body blow after a really good start, and you could just tell the guys were shot after that. And second half just felt like a bit of a write-off. Um, Dad, your thoughts on a game which felt sort of like swings and roundabouts the whole, whole time, first half and second half, completely different feelings. I thought we did amazingly well uh, in the first half, particularly since <laughs> on the back of the week that we had and the 48 hours prior to that that we we had, and I say we, I'm talking about 
this team, this, you know, our management. Um, I, I was actually, I was actually surprised to, to not see Polina start. I would have thought that he would, would have had a bloody curfew, that he would have had his ass strapped to a plane and mm-hmm. forced to, 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 to be up in Manchester and turned up with his boot bag. And, you know, I, I my understanding is that the commentary was that uh, his head wasn't in the right place. Well, damn that. We're playing Man City. Um, so I, I, I thought that was kind of adding insult to injury after kind of what happened on Friday. Having said that, and, and, and on top of that, with Lukic being unavailable, that was pretty tough. And we had to put Kenny in, who clearly wasn't fully fit. And that played out in the end with him having to go off. So it was a really difficult, difficult um, first half. But we acquitted ourselves incredibly well. We were combative. We pressed really, really, really hard. And we we actually took the game to them. And it was very, very enjoyable to watch. It's very disconcerting watching that game. I don't know what the... Um, I, I presume everyone gets the same commentary and sound, but it's really weird when you can't hear the referee's whistle, don't you think? <laughs> and, you know, I find I find that really quite weird when, you know, you see the ref put his arm out when he's actually blown it up for something, but you're having to watch it quite carefully because you, 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 you aren't getting that prompt. Or is it mm, only me that mm. thinks that? No, it's, it's quite frustrating and, yeah, sometimes you can hear it a lot clearer. Maybe they just didn't have the same amount of mics down at ground level for some weird reason. But, um, Sammy, well, uh, looking back on the yeah. game, oh, sorry, no, no, looking back on, on the game, Sammy, um, we we mentioned Polina obviously didn't start. There's there's obviously a story behind that. Um, but in terms of the side that we actually put out to face Man City, um, how did you think we looked? Because obviously we weren't able to play uh, any of our new signings, Lukic injured, uh, Willian not quite there, Polina not available. Um, your thoughts on the starting lineup? I, 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 didn't, I didn't like the starting lineup um, when it first came out. I mean, I, I, I echo Dad's sentiments. I actually thought we did. We started really, really well. I, it's, there's very few times I've gone into a, a game so dejected. <laughs> I was really dejected when I was initially watching the game. And I did, I did get up after Tim Ream's goal. I was like, hang on a minute. It's all changing now. <laughs> and I got really, really hopeful. Um, and then, and then, and then it all fell apart once again. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's, it wasn't like Silver's, Silver's definitely proved me wrong before, but it was one of those moments where I saw the starting lineup and I was like, I don't like that. Like, um, yeah, no Wobi, no Lukic, Palina, I was expecting, but yeah. Um, well, what do you guys, what do you guys, sorry to interject Sam, but what do you guys think? Yeah. Would you would you have insisted on Polina's appearance? I probably wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have. I mean, we allowed him. We we allowed him to go to Germany. We allowed him to do a photo shoot. We allowed him to like essentially do everything but like sign on the dotted line. And then we at the last minute we were like, "Yep, come back now." Uh, false alarm. And I feel, I feel, I feel that even if he did play, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have 
been good, at least anyway. We'll, on, we'll the get bench, into the... on the bench, I would have maybe accepted, but yeah. We'll, we'll get into the intricacies of it a bit later, but I, I just think you don't need someone whose head is going to be elsewhere. Um, yeah. Playing either out on the pitch or playing. He, he would 100% be disappointed and... Um, you know, from from all accounts, both Fulham and Polina were very professional about what was going on. And Polina went there knowing that Fulham needed a backup. Fulham said, you know, we don't want you to leave, but we understand if you want to do this, then that's fine. We'll, we'll give you our blessing effectively to go over there and, and try and get a deal done. And the deal didn't happen. So he, he would have expected to be a Bayern Munich player on Saturday. Um, and I think when something like that falls through, you're you would be dejected, you'd be disappointed, uh, you wouldn't want to be playing football the next day. And this international break comes at a perfect time where he gets a couple of weeks to just fully reset after what would be a really disappointing little period. And I think he'll bounce back really well from it. But I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have forced him to do anything. I think we did everything by the book and did it really professionally and well. And I think if you then forced him to play after that, it kind of ruins um, that that sort of goodwill, if if you know what Jeez. I mean. I think well, yeah. our management styles are clearly a little different, aren't they? I was about to say I'm not well, sure, I'm not sure if I agree with the most professional way to handle the situation, but we can we can discuss well, no, that at I, point. I, I think also when you're playing against Man City, you, we know we're not going to win that game. Realistically, we did play very well, but I mean. Even then, if Polina was out there, we're still losing that game, really. Yeah. He would have made yeah. a difference, but we we're not maybe we're not losing five one, maybe we're losing three one. Um but is there is look, there, I, I, is there yeah, any no. truth to the rumor that Polina did something similar in down tools to kind of force uh the momentum of the deal? And therefore, not selecting him was somewhat disciplinary from Marcus Silva to say, "Hey, your head's in the wrong place, and that's the reason I'm not selecting you." Yeah, it's possible. I, I I don't know. Like you said, it's a rumor. I don't know the ins and outs of it. If if he did down tools, I think my understanding was that uh, it was it was more passed around Twitter and social media that. Potentially, oh, be because yeah, because Mitro be. downed tools, that maybe Polina's done the same to try and force a deal through. But the club and and Marco came out afterwards, and a few journos have reported afterwards that um, the the reason the transfer didn't go through was purely because Bayern left it far too late. Um, let, let's let's not talk about it too much here because I want to cover it in in proper depth, and I yeah. feel like we'll just keep dipping into it here if we um, if we cover it too early. So. Um, but in terms of the game, like I said, I, I don't know your thoughts, both of you, but um, do you feel like we actually had a good first half and, and were yeah. you happy with happy with up until the, the second goal, obviously? Without doubt. I mean, and particularly given the, you know, I always have to be careful about how I phrase this, but given given the level of quality that we had out there from from – our potential, uh, no Willian, clearly high high quality. No Polina, no Lukic. Um, Kenny so, going down injured early. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, the Kenny started. But even 
Yeah, so I, I think we acquitted ourselves incredibly well. And and we we do we do get up for these big games, don't we? We really do. Mm. I mean, we, yeah. we were creating opportunities, and I, I was not expecting that going into this game. Like Sammy said, I was coming into this game off the back of that transfer window just thinking, oh, I'm going to have to stay up till 1am to watch this, and I, I almost feel like just packing it in and going to bed. But... You know, you, you that never actually happens, even no matter how dark it gets. Um, oh, I put my hand up. I turned it off. I was like, no, nah, it's like almost two a.m. here. I can't be bothered with it anymore. <laughs> like the hurt is too deep. I will, I will, I will go on record. I don't care. <laughs> That's not the first time for you, Sammy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but look, I, I think especially that first half, I was, I was fully engaged and thinking, geez, this is not what I expected from this Fulham team off the back of that. You and. You know, there were a couple of little social media videos, Fulham rocking up to the game, and it everyone just looked dead. Like there, there was mm, really nothing did. behind the eyes. The guys were walking in there to basically get battered, and it looked like they they knew it as well. Um, but when they got out on the park, I, I was I was really surprised at how we just didn't let everything that had happened affect us. But let's talk about this VAR decision. I mean, I don't think I need to go to each of you and say, do you think VAR made the right or wrong decision? It's pretty clear unanimously and universally that the the decision that was made, uh, there's, I can't understand any way that that is given as a goal. Like I can't think of how VAR looked at that and justified it being allowed. Right. Well, let's, the only let's... way, sorry, the only way they, 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 could possibly have justified it was that yes, he was clearly standing offside, but he played no part and did not influence the play. That that can only be the call. Yeah, but it's a bollocks call. Like, um, let's let's not even full play. Let's go straight to the VAR discussion. Um, if 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 it's just a bloke sitting behind a computer screen and they're just having a bit of a passive chat, and it's like, yeah, might as well just give it. What's the point? Because it's literally like I want I want a hard AI now. I want like a robot who's literally just going to be like that's offside, and then it's up to the referee to make that decision. Because it's just getting ridiculous now. What's the point in having another ref there, like just behind a computer screen when they're just as biased as all the other refs? It's just bollocks, and it's so annoying. And like I'm fine with VAI as an actual entity, but it's just, it, all it's doing now is just seems to create even more prejudice within the game you know you know what's when i i was and I, I didn't mean to be making a connection but when i was talking about the absence of that referee whistle sound and then you jack said oh maybe they didn't have any any uh microphones at ground level <laughs> I, I i want i sort of thought yeah there seems to be a real uh reluctance to sort of be hearing anything that a referee or an official might say and perhaps that explains I had a wonderful version of Blue Moon. <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously this isn't true, but <clears throat> I I just can't I, I would have loved, wouldn't wouldn't we all love to have the VAR dude mic'd up talking to the referee in the middle of the ground and explaining to him for the benefit of all fully accountable as to why he thought 
and determined that that uh, was a goal. Wouldn't that be great? So I also, as well, I have sorry, sorry, seen... Jack, sorry, Jack, sorry, Jack, just, I just need to get this off my chest. Sorry, I'm really <laughs> sorry. But, like, like if, if there's, like, what, ugh, oh, I, I think I might have even lost my point. I'm so frustrated by it. Sorry, Jack, yeah, you go. No, I've lost it. Glad you interrupted me for that, Sammy. <laughs> um, it was hilarious. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I have seen the VAR, um, they, they released some sort of, description of the conversation that actually happened and what they did they did two checks they said firstly um is he is he inter interrupting play and they basically had judged that he wasn't because he didn't get a touch on the ball and it didn't go underneath his legs and he didn't have a swing at it uh, and then secondly, they're saying, did he have a touch on it? And they said, no. The problem there is it's actually the referees, the referee who's sitting in the VAR box is just making a, a terrible decision. He's exactly. saying that He's saying that they didn't affect the play, but it's very clear that he did affect the play. The ball goes underneath his foot. He's, he's jumped over it. As he jumps, he swings his foot at it and completely misses it, which is a, attempting to interrupt the play and, and attempting to actually make a play at the ball. And in doing so, it stops Leno from actually fully diving. If he's not there, Leno gets to that ball. It is a free header. It's it's fairly comfortable, I say, if he's not there. And the problem isn't VAR is bad. It's actually the referee sitting behind the desk in the VAR room who is of bad. Course. He's made a terrible call there. This is this is my point as well because VAR just seems like it all just kind of comes down to sophistry. It all just comes down to oh, I don't think that's in. Do you reckon it's in? No, nah, I don't reckon it's in. And then it's just like, what's the point? Because if you can convince some like, because all these guys are mates, like all these guys know each other really, really well because they've been working with each other for probably like about fifteen years now. So they're all very, very familiar with each other. I want, I want, I want a nerd who's speaking in a different language who just comes up with like. A, a, an approved or denied thing like because if you can it's it's just it's just a group think mentality i could convince you that something is a goal maybe i probably couldn't but it the idea stands if you respect somebody or if you um however warranted or not if you can convince somebody then what's the point in it being an adequate judging system? Then it just comes down to a democracy, and then it's just flawed and shitty. Oh, I'm there, so there was no one I'm convincing so anyone else. It, it, there wasn't someone no, going. It's oh, group I think, think that mentality, Jack. It's group no, it's, think mentality. It's not. It's not because it's not a, it, the VAR referee is making his own decision there, and he's just got the decision wrong, and it doesn't make sense. That's the problem. Yeah, it's, yeah, any, it's not something you can fix with. It it, it has to be. It, it's not an offside, which is you're either offside or you're onside, which can be done by AI or tech. You have to make a call and say, is he, is he getting in the way of the ball and interrupting the play? And the referee has, for some reason, looked at it and said no. He's, he's Jack, not. I'm sorry. Trying to, I'm sorry. It's a discussion. No, it can be manipulated. It can be. It can be all manner no, no. of things. But it's but, one way though. He's he's not manipul it's not a conversation with the referee who's on the pitch. It's one way VAR looking at it over and over again and saying, Yeah, I think for some reason he hasn't uh interrupted the play. It's not a conversation you, back and forth. Don't you think don't you think it would be one step towards credibility for the VAR system 
if we could hear an explanation, if not a discussion, an explanation from VAR back to the referee as to why he's overturning it or upholding it. Don't I, you think, I think be... in 99% of instances, yes, that would be very helpful. In this instance, it, it still wouldn't fix what is a terrible decision because you... No, but, but then, but then once... Say. No, I know, but then there'd be accountability because there would be they would be held to account and people would tear strips off that decision because it would be clearly incorrect. Now, the FA could still stick their chin out and go, tough, goal stands, uh, three points to Man City. But people would begin to believe, to, to see the level of, uh, you know, unfairness, if you don't want to use the word corruption, the level of unfairness or unconscious bias or you name it or call it what you want. But there's, there's, there's a dynamic happening there that we're not privy to. And uh, whether it's a discussion in the, the um, VAR man's head, it would be great as a first step for him to actually be accountable and explain himself. I think that, or I want like line technology like they have in tennis where everyone goes, and then it zooms yeah, but, in really, but it's, really tightly. No, but it's, it's Sam, the line technology in tennis is, is akin to offside. It's very simple. It's yeah. one dimensional. Is, mm. is it in or is it out? Uh, yeah. There's no, there's no nuance or judgment of what was his intention as he swung. Yeah. Was he trying to get out of the way or was he swinging his foot? Uh, so it's much more complex. But let's hear the explanation of why it stands or falls. Well, it's interesting. Black, White and Fred on the live stream is is saying they won't make those conversations public as they would be made to look even more incompetent. Correct. Interestingly, though, they in the A-League here in Australia, they do make those public. Um, and you're starting to see it more and more. I know in the Women's World Cup, they're starting to mic up the referees a bit more and have them talk outwardly a little bit more. And, and there's a really good example of it, and Jared Gillett is the referee, Australian referee, who's now refereeing in the Premier League. And they basically published, in a couple of instances, the full conversation that he has with VAR, hearing the referee talking, asking questions of VAR when he goes over to the screen. It basically VAR saying, hey, I think I saw something there. Can you go to the screen and check it? And then he and VAR discussing it back and forth, which only happens when you go to the screen. Um when in this decision here, the referee is basically standing there waiting for VAR to check it. He's not talking back and forth with VAR. So the VAR guy might actually not be saying anything. He's just looking at video back and forth and talking to the guy sitting next to him maybe, but not, a, not officially saying anything. Um, and the referee doesn't have any input there. It's fully checked by VAR. They only have input when they go across to the screen. But I, I would love to see them change it up and, and do what they do in cricket, and um, as Black, White, and Red uh, Fred said here as well, they do it in rugby too, where and they do it brilliantly. Full conversation, both. yeah. And they, but again, even with the with the third umpire in cricket, it's not a conversation back and forth with the standing umpire in the centre. It's the third umpire just explaining what he's seeing and what decisions he's making, what steps Perfect. he's taking to see something, and Perfect. that's all you want. Uh, but again, I'll say this decision that happened against us with the Ake header, there's nothing that this referee could say that will take away from the fact that it's just a terrible decision. 
he he made a mistake here and the the big question and the the issue and the talking point is how can you make such a big mistake i understand it live when you're looking at it and the referee on the day you know goes oh maybe i'm not in the right position i can't really see where the ball goes but when you're a var referee and you get all the camera angles and you're looking at it you go how can you get that wrong I what think astonishes I... me yeah no what astonishes me is you know 10 10 premier league matches a weekend how can there not be 30, 40 top-class men on the pitch, including the, the fourth official? And women. And women. If you like. And a, a plus a team of VAR people. What are we talking? 50, 60, 70 people out of the whole of the UK with all the money in the kingdom of the FA. How can we not have absolutely elite-level officiating and and you know the accountability is uh, just the sort of the uh, another level on top of that but the linesmen to be fair i actually think they're quite excellent yeah they're running fine. at full pace running at full pace more often than not checked by var those offside calls are pretty great pretty mm, amazing yeah. and you know when uh, you know, I don't even when they're the wrong. It's, being... it's it's centimeters, which is oh, it's yeah. incredible. Um, I don't blame a ref for getting something wrong at, when it's happening. You know, really quickly, and it's maybe obscured by a player or two, and he's on the blind side of it. That that's there's nothing wrong with that. VAR's there to fix that, and it just doesn't. And it's not accountable. Not good enough. My issue, my issue as well with VAR as well, and I'll put my conspiracy hat on. I'll be this person. I don't like being this person, but whatever. Um, is the fact that VAR has been pitched to us as a way to even the playing field, and I feel that all it actually does now is encourages more bias within the game because at the end of the day, the Premier League will always benefit on having a select amount of clubs with massive fan bases be represented as much as possible. So it's always in their interest to favor big clubs because those big clubs will drive the most revenue. And then as a result, we will always be getting smashed by this (laughs) because when it comes down to a decision, when it's going to favor a club that brings in millions to the Premier League and us, it's always, it's always going to be, it's always going to be that. And I think you've as been, a result, I think you've been outed, Sam. Uh, Black, care. white, and Fred is actually saying you say you don't like being this person, but he says well, you love being this person. Well, you know what? You just got to be the change that you want to see. And if you guys aren't going <laughs> to do it, then I guess I have to. Like, but I do. I look. I just feel. I just feel that. Look, this is a corporate game. It's always going to be a corporate game. It's always going to be driven by money. And VAR has become a very, very handy tool to favor. And it makes me sad, and I'm particularly. Uh, it's, a, it's a way of secretly. It's a way of secretly manipulating the game if you want absolutely. to. Absolutely, absolutely, totally. It would be, but I look. It's a conspiracy theory, and that's all it is: is a conspiracy theory. Um, I, I don't see any basis in there apart from the fact that they they constantly get decisions wrong. the The biggest issue <laughs> is they they get. <laughs> that's what you mean. No, 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 no. The biggest issue is. These ones get reported, the games between Fulham and Man City, where a decision goes against um, against Fulham here. We saw in the first game, Fulham-Everton, that handball where the Everton defender throws his arm out and it hits him on the elbow. VAR looks at it and says, yeah, that's fine. They're making errors. It's not just about errors where the big team gets the bias. It's just 
con- constant errors. And, well, it, you know, there's there's Twitter accounts that are set up that literally just track VAR decisions. And it's not just against big clubs. It's across the board that they're just making terrible decisions. It just gets reported on and it feels like we're being fucked over constantly because it happens to us against big clubs. But it really, it happens to us almost every week because VAR is is not properly set up to do what it's meant to do, which is well, to help avoid errors. But you're, you're kind of almost naively suggesting that it's just incompetence, it's not bias. But I would argue that a slightly incompetent VAR person sitting behind the screen and microphone is petrified of actually making a major decision against a big club. And if he's not that confident, he actually errs on the the side of, I wouldn't say the status quo, but the... The, the bigger club. That's what happens. Mm. Possibly. Possibly. Um, I, because he, I, I he think... doesn't want to be hauled out for actually throwing a, a, a Haaland goal under the bus, for example. Yeah, because I think Haaland I... could make like 60 goals this season and then that brings even more revenue to Man City. Everybody wins in that situation except for Fulham. It's not actually... No, but then that's where you're going conspiracy theory. Dad's actually saying the problem is if you give that decision against Haaland, you got people giving you death threats on Twitter. More people because there are more followers. It's not actually money-related. It's it's purely a bias to I'm scared of the repercussions. Yeah. It's not financial yeah. repercussions. It's yeah. scared no, of the that's... repercussions of being in the media. And, and you know, yeah. I know that the, yeah. that the VAR official... His name on the weekend was Tony Harrington. There's no chance yeah. in hell I would know the VAR official's name if yeah. this didn't happen. Um, yep. and, and you know and, where he lives, and you know what car he drives, off. and where his and kids we're all go to still school. Pissed off last season about the referees who who went against us. It's it's yeah. one of those things, and you you understand why if they're you know Fulham their social media following is you know in the hundreds of thousands, um, and Liverpool is in the hundreds of millions. So you you may be a little bit more wary that you don't want your family getting death threats off the back of one decision because totally. there are idiots out there on totally. Twitter who will give your family death threats because you made one silly decision. And look, it's a, it's a mistake and humans make mistakes. I think it's ridiculous to think that humans should be perfect every time, but mm-hmm. you're going to get scrutinized over it at the end of the day. And it's, it's just frustrating because um, you know, it, it ruins people's weekends. There's there's but, but, 40, 50,000 Fulham fans out there who have had their weekends absolutely ruined by a silly mistake. But there are those 10 refs who are prepared to, and they're not all terrible, obviously. There, there's some very, very great refs in the Premier League who are prepared to run around with a whistle in their hand in full view of t- of, of, of everyone on TV and make calls. So they, they're obviously confident enough and I just find it so difficult to believe that we can't find 50 of these men and women uh, in the country to be sufficiently well-trained and to be given, yeah, sufficiently confident to make proper decisions rather than to hide behind a couple of large monitors it's in a, like in a need, dark room. Need, it's almost like you need a completely different calibre of person to actually be a VAR person. You want, you want a spectrum person who actually doesn't care and just goes, yep, it's it's a foul. No, you need, you need I mean, a, I want AI. I want AI. AI yeah, can't do potentially, it. Potentially. Uh, you need, yeah, you no, need no. an ex-footballer in there who 
and as Silver said in his post-match comments, uh, someone who's played football at a high level before would never, ever call that a goal um, because you know shout. what's happening there. Um, yeah, I, think, need, and I think all the pundits sitting around are always complaining about VAR. They, they're always, you know, 90% of the time, they all agree on either VAR got this right or VAR got this wrong. So ex-footballers seem to know. Yeah, name your top 10 referees of all time. If they were sitting in the VAR chair, they wouldn't call it. They just wouldn't. Yeah. The the big problem is, and you said, why can't we find 60 people? The big problem is, look at, we're, we're a small podcast, but there are thousands of podcasts out there all berating referees this weekend. There's 80,000 people in, in a stadium shouting that the referees are wanker. I, I totally get why people don't want to be referees. Um, especially referees oh. at the very highest level, uh, it's it's understandable, but it's it's a big issue and it's not going away but, but, anytime but, but soon. But again, uh, as Black and White and Fred, Black and White and Fred, Black and White and Fred, Black and White and Black, Black and White and Fred, I beg your pardon, um, and White. Why, why uh, is it that um, rugby players and fans and whatever, and cricket players and fans? put their hand up to be referees. It's, it's not the most glamorous of, of positions in any sport. And yet somehow they've tidied it up to be credible enough. People are well enough paid to do that hard job. So why can't they do it in football? Why? I, I have no idea. Uh, it's, it's an impossible question to answer. Um, and look, the, the referees in the Premier League are probably the highest paid referees of any sport in the world, I, I would assume. Yeah, um, they, you know, these guys, I, I can't imagine there's any other sports that are able to pay the amount. Maybe in America, what, you've got what are some they basketball paid? What are they referees paid? and stuff. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, it's, it's a full-time living and a very good one at that as well. And it has been for 25, almost 30 years. As long as the Premier League's been around, referees have been able to be fully professional and get paid very well for it. Yeah, um, top level what between like thirty, maybe thirty what? Oh, like thirty thousand a week or so. Oh, I, look, I have no idea. Uh, it's it's. But, yeah, I wonder if anyone uh, watching the live stream actually knows and can help us with that. Yeah, because uh, I mean, seriously, if if you paid someone very, 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 very good money, why wouldn't they do it? You know, there are lots of strong people out there who don't mind taking a bit of criticism and enjoy the game and love what they're doing. I, I don't understand why. I, I understand at, at you know, park level with parents running up and down with umbrellas shouting abuse and you're getting a fiver a weekend running around in the rain. I can understand why you wouldn't do that. But at elite level, if you're getting paid serious money for a professional job, to cop a bit of stick, why, why wouldn't you do it? It's not huge money for sure. Um, it's there, you know, they're on probably close to 200,000 a year. Um, mm. in comparison to the guys out there on the pitch, not good money, but um, for what is effectively running around once a week on a pitch making decisions, it's very good money. Um, but you, you know, I, I, I want to. I want to move away from the conversation around refereeing because we're going to have it again in the next few weeks because we seem to have it every week. Um, and and let's take a look at the second half. It, it was basically the Harlan show in the second half. 
Um, I thought Diop did a really, really good job in the first half of shutting him down. Um, even though I said, I, I messaged you, I think, in the, about the third minute, Dad, saying Diop's going to get eaten alive here. Um, but he did a really good job. And uh, look, I think everyone's head had gone at halftime. That, that decision going against you, when you're playing well, I think, if, if we were already 2-0 down and that decision goes against you, you're probably like, you, and, you know, you keep going. But when you really are in the game and you look like you might actually be able to pull off a result and something like that happens, it's it's just a gut punch. And you could really see we came out in the second half. I th- Bobby decadova Reed got yellow carded about five minutes into the second half because he <laughs> he basically didn't shut up. He was just giving the ref lip for the first 10 minutes straight away. Um, it's, you know, we, we were gone. And um, I, I didn't expect anything from the game after we went 2-1 down, unfortunately. And it, it was just really disappointing to to lose the game in the manner that we did. And I, I genuinely don't actually... I, I don't attribute any blame to the Fulham team. I, I think after the couple of days that we'd had and then getting a decision like that, it, it would just feel like the world is against you and it's tough to bounce back after something like that happening. So... Um, and look, you're playing the best team in the world, current European champions, Premier League champions. It's it's not an easy task. And um, eventually go down 5-1. Dad and Sam, um, I mean, I think I spoke to you this morning, Dad, and just said I'm kind of like meh after that game. I'm not annoyed. Um, I'm not disappointed with the performance or anything. It's kind of a weird feeling afterwards. How are you guys feeling post-game? Well, it was... Uh... The timing of it was difficult because, like you say, it was a gut punch on so many levels, really. I, I honestly, I, I, I hate losing to anyone, but I don't think there's any shame in losing to Man City. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a masterclass. And, and I think it's not that surprising that we were competitive for a half, but when a team keeps a ball and is so skillful, um, and really exhausts you. There's no, it was no surprise to me that they ran away with it in the end. Not only could they bring on fresh legs of, of you know, well, at, at a skill level that we would die for off the mm. bench, um, it was always going to happen. And there, Harlan is brilliant, but by geez, he, the service he gets is pretty damn excellent as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so, it's 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 just bound to happen as a if if there was another half to be played they would have been twelve. Yeah, yeah. look, I so mean, if you if you if you get well, if you're going to be like taken to the sword, um, at least Harlan scores very pretty goals, I guess. I don't know this 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 this. I feel like this has probably been the most burnt out as a Fulham fan I've been in very recent memory. I can't I can't I can't remember a a week where I've. Uh, endured so so much so like this this game was i mean it was it was it, like we were always going to be optimistic if we were going to hope for the best um but uh, it's, it's just it just kind of felt like the final blow of an otherwise one of uh, one of the worst weeks in like the club's history for my for my money i don't know about you guys but yeah, just um, very, just very, very, very glad you went around in the uh, early to mid nineties when Fulham were losing to Carlisle away at Carlisle three. <laughs> oh no, yeah, 
you would have been pretty dark back then, I reckon. This is no, this is nowhere near as bad as those days. But um, let's have a quick look at some of the stats here. Man City dominating possession, 68% to 32. Um, interestingly, the shots on goal, Man City 7, Fulham 6. Man City, 5 shots on target, 5 goals. Mm. Fulham, 4 on target. Uh, as expected, 733 passes for City to 336 for Fulham. Five corners to four corners in favour of Fulham there and 12 fouls apiece during the game. I do have to say we we did, we have spent the time, you know, slagging off the VAR referee. I thought the referee in the middle actually had a pretty good game apart from mm. the, the one VAR decision. He let quite a lot of stuff go that was on the edge. He pulled up Man City often for little niggly fouls that sometimes I feel like they get away with. So I actually think the ref did a pretty good job throughout. Um, just wasn't good enough to get us a win. Um, He's not supposed to get us a win, Jack. Doesn't that doesn't sound right? I mean, he gets the big teams a win, so why can't he get us <laughs> one for once? Um, let's move on. Have a quick, well, not a quick. Let's have a chat about the transfer window. Um, oh, firstly, know. let's just look at. Well, it's not rumours, so you can't keep complaining, Sammy. Um, oh, no. Confirmed transfers in. I'll just run through the seven players we brought in. Calvin Bassey, Raul Jimenez, Adama Traore, Stephen Bender, Timothy Castagna, Alex Awobi, and Foto Balatore on the last day. Um, guys, I asked Twitter to give us ratings for our incoming business. Um, Dad, I'll start with you. Just looking at those players that we bought in during this window, how would you rate that out of 10? Um. Look, I think um, two different ratings here. One just across the board, I, I, I give it a, I get, give it a six and a half, a six. Um, but in terms of what what could have been and what we needed to be doing here to push on and consolidate, given the manager we've got, given the ambition we've got, given the point of inflection that we're actually at. I, uh, I think it's, I think it's about a four and a half to five. Yeah, yep. you're being more generous Sammy, than I was. Sammy, um, you you're rating for the incoming transfers. Uh, I'd give it a three. Um, if we're looking at the teams that we actually bought from, um, Wolves are on the ropes. Everton are on the ropes. Leicester's on the ropes. So we were always going to be able to get decent to okay deals out of them. We still didn't get the player that we wanted from Everton. Alex Iwobi. No, no shade on him. Like, really, really strong player. No shade on any of these guys. Calvin Bassey from Ajax. That's probably like our best um, thing that we've actually picked up. But again, Ajax had absolutely no use for him. Um, uh, the, this this whole window for me. I mean, we were we were saying it the whole time. I I had I had an inkling that this was going to be uh, our. Uh, the the, the eye opening experience that uh, the Khans don't know how to do effective business in the, the new transfer, the the new football world, and I feel that like this has really kind of proved it to me because, um, look, they knew they knew Mitrovic was leaving. We don't have a striker. Um, uh, yeah, in for my money, you can say anything in the world. But this this doesn't. I'm I I. Whatever confidence I had in the cons has really kind of gone out the window a little bit. I can put uh, last season down to a fluke, but I don't think we've actually done particularly good business. 
and um, I'm 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 deeply concerned. I think looking at where players come from isn't a good way to judge a window. He's saying Wolves and no, Leicester and Everton can... aren't aren't doing well, but we we've not exactly taken terrible players out of those teams. I, I think Iwobi is always looked one of the best players in Everton's team, and I, I'm glad we picked him up. Castagna is never going to be a starter. He's a backup player, but he's a, an experienced player. I think a decent pickup. And um, so far, I'm actually kind of impressed by him and his, and I've always liked Adama Traore. So I think my, my judging them based is... on where they've come from, it, it it's it, imagine if you're a Man City team and you judge signing Calvin Phillips, a bad example, but Calvin Phillips from Leeds, and saying Leeds aren't a very good team, so it's a terrible transfer. It's not about the fact that they're a bad team, though, because I don't really believe in bad teams in the Premier League. I believe that these are very, very poorly run clubs at the moment, and it doesn't say that we're great at doing business if we can only um, attract players that are trying to jump ship from their previous clubs. Uh, I think so, without without trying to... Because you're big enough to be able to say what you really mean, Sam. I think, <laughs> but I, I, I suspect what Sam is trying to articulate here, without trying to be patronising, is is that I think there's I, I, I for a long time have been trying to believe that I cannot be right. I cannot be right. I cannot be right about a family, a father and a son, who've amassed you know, so many more billions than my zero billions and they can't be bad at business. They must be smart. I'm just missing something, right? Mm. And the the longer this goes on, um, there's a real sense, which I, I did sort of feel in the beginning that, you know, I've, I, I have a, always have had a belief that people do business who they like doing business with, whether it be over a bottle of wine, a coffee, a lunch, or just a chat. People like doing business where they like to. And I yeah, and I, I actually agree. think, I actually think the Fulham team has got a problem. I think we struggle to do business. Uh, whether there's a culture there, whether there's an arrogance, whether you know you're going to get low board, whether you know you're going to get dicked around, whether it's other people fronting the business, Alistair McIntosh, his commercial team who are actually doing the back and forth. Everyone knows TK or maybe Shah, Shahid are pulling the strings and everything goes across their desk and nothing happens without their say-so. And, you know, this last minute, I'll dash, uh, always looking for a bargain. I, I think people just get tired of it and just go, well, that's not how we do business. It's not how we have done business in England and Europe. And we're just not going to deal with you. And I think, so my long answer to what Sam was saying is that I think Sam's alluding to the fact that people don't like doing business with Fulham unless they pay over the odds or they've got a or Fulham have a player that they desperately want. But in general sense, I think we struggle to do business. I mean, I tried to articulate that. I can, I, I can, I can. You're welcome. I just didn't do that very well then. <laughs> but yeah, that's no, that's 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 echoed my sentiments. Yeah. I mean, I, I it, that's, to me, guesswork. We don't know that for sure. I, I think our transfer policies I think are there's terrible. evidence. I think there's well, evidence. No, there's not. 
there's not evidence. Well, we sh- I we're tell, shit. I can tell you right now. We're I shit tell- at doing business. And it's right not now. for lack of money. So Metro, once again, proved it to me. We've got £50 million for Metro, or their nearest dammit to it, and we can't find a striker. I know strikers are difficult to find, but not a single person in the striker position after Mitrovic is signed. And that's been humming for six weeks. That that deal's mm. been there or thereabouts, and we can't but find I a striker. Think, I think there's more to it where... The kinds have actually said we we're not signing a striker, and I think it it actually feels to me like it's leading towards the sale of the club and saying we're not spending big money on signing a striker. We're actually keeping that in the back pocket because we want to sell the club at some point soon. I, it, it I agree. Like that's that's even better. Jack, <laughs> Jack, I agree with you. I I totally agree with you, and I've said plenty about this. But I think if I go back over the years. That explains or certainly contributes to a possible explanation for what's happening today. But I think over the last couple of years, the I just can't be bothered dealing with Tony is a is 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 perhaps a contributing factor. I don't think there's enough evidence for that. We we did really good business last summer. Um and you, I, you, I think you keep probably... referring you you always refer to good business, which is commercially cheap deals on the likes of Leno and a number of other players who come in late and, you know, we're, we're smart enough to pick up people whose clubs don't want them and toss them out for low, for low dollars. No, no, but I'm talking you, Polina as well. Uh, you know, Polina yeah, was bought in early signing. in the last transfer window. Um, someone like Angisa, when we signed him, we signed him for for pretty cheap for what he was. Uh, in a similar uh, ilk to Polina, but we didn't have a manager who was able to use him. I think we've signed very good players, um, and uh, we talk about how Brighton do great business, and I think we, we've we done similarly good business. Um, previously, we didn't have the managers who were able to actually exploit that good business. In Marco, we do have a manager who is, but I genuinely feel like the Khans are just sort of dicking around with it now. And they're they're checking out slowly but surely because Tony wants to play sure. wrestlers. Sure, um, and I think it's, that it's is why now. this window it's was murkier. terrible. Yeah, I, sure. I think that's why this window was terrible because the last two, I mean, the January window previously where we only really bought in Lukic and Cedric Suarez, that was pretty poor business because I think we could have invested hard there and bought in another central midfielder maybe. But again, we were getting results so. Um, your, your management could easily say, why do you need more players? We're already massively overachieving. The problem here is we've sold our main striker. Uh, and look, for me, I think this window was for incoming. It It's about a six for me, maybe even pushing a seven. Um, the reason it's not higher is because we didn't replace Mitro and we didn't bring in another central midfielder. I think if we did that, this is almost a 10 for a window. But um, like the fact that we didn't do those two things, those were those were our main things on our agenda to fix up. So why did why like why didn't we focus on all those? Because I'll but be that honest, doesn't make I, it a two because we we there's there were a, a, a couple of okay a three there there are a couple of positions that we we did need to strengthen in. But at the start of the window, we said we needed six or seven players. We bought in seven. Um, before, when we first talked about what we thought we needed, we needed um, we needed backups in defence because we were light on. We brought in Calvin Bassey, who looks a really good signing. 
and then a couple of decent fullbacks as well. We wanted extra depth on the wings, and we've got that in Triore and Iwobi. We weren't actually looking for a lot of starters. We were looking for a starter as a striker to replace Mitro and a star- and maybe a starter to replace Harrison Reed, for example. Uh, I think they're two positions where we haven't done that. But every all the other things that we wanted to do this window, I think we've actually done. We've just missed two really big signings that we needed to make. I will say, though, um, that I could have probably put this up to a five, but with everything that happened um, with Polina and in context of this, going forward, I don't think anybody's going to be doing proper business with us or at least the business that we actually want to be doing. And is, that is it down to a three for me. Is it fair but to again, say then you didn't answer the question where I said, what is it for just purely incoming I transfers? I am answering the answer. So you're actually giving it a five then? No, I'm still giving it a three. I'm too pissed off. Dad, you go. I I, I think um, I, I always feel that there's like a disconnect. If we if we had an owner that you know ha- had a hundred million pounds to his name and would love being the owner of the club, but just didn't have the funds to bankroll this, that would be one scenario, right? Um, obviously you know they they don't have endless amounts of money but they're not short of a quid they're wealthier than most owners in the premier league other than the the um you know um the the the, the middle eastern money that sits behind um, some of these clubs and to me it's just a disconnect between their capacity to pay and invest and their ambition so no doubt, thirty-five million pounds on Polinia, but it kind of looks like they're really strategically, you know, if Marco gets them in a corner and gets a get, gets sort of ties their hands behind their back and threatens them, they bend over and give him a play he wants, but then try and absolutely cheap ass on the next three, and and try and get away with the utter minimum 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 signings that they can do to kind of get away with it, to window dress this club, to keep us in the Premier League, but not really to push on. There's no, there's no evidence that, and there, there was a, there was a, a lot of chat for a while about the FFP problem, but I don't hear anyone blaming our lack of quality activity in this window on FFP. I don't believe there's a problem. Again, we don't know the detail behind that, but I'm not aware that there's a problem. But there just seems to be a disconnect and there's not the ambition, is there? Yeah, well, uh, look, I, I think the the mind is elsewhere for the cons at the moment. That's a problem. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I, I don't really, I don't get it. It's tough. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, uh, it, look, it's... Excel. Just sell the club. Yeah, well, that's that's an even bigger conversation anyway. But um, let's look at the transfers out. And there is one to add to this, which um, Colm actually mentioned on the on the live stream. But going through our outgoings, we've got Mitrovic uh, to Al-Halal. And then mainly players released on a free. Joe Bryan, even Cavalera, Shane Duffy, Niskins, Cabano, all leaving Just on freeze. Business. As well as Steven Sessignon and Anthony Knockart as well. Uh, Knockart was announced just recently. He's left to uh, Valenciennes in France. 
Um, and then Mbabu and Congolo both leaving on loans, Mbabu to Augsburg and Congolo to Rapid Wien as well. Um, you, you say bad business, Sammy, but we've knocked a lot of money off our wage bill there, um, which opens us up for potentially some deals in January, hopefully, but also it probably just opens up, um, well, extends the value of the club by saying we don't have a huge amount of wages going out every week. So I, I think it's, I mean, we've had Cavalera and Knockart sitting on our bench for so many years now and not having anything to do with the club. It's interesting that this is finally the window where we release them both on free and they still had time left on their contracts. Joe mm-hmm. Bryan, Duffy, Cabano, Sessignon, their contracts came to an end, but we've allowed Cavalera and Knockart both to leave on freeze just to get them off our wage bill finally. Um, there, there's a lot of money being freed up there in terms of wages, which again makes it even more frustrating that we didn't spend that money in the first place um, because it, it seems to be there. Um, Dad and Sam, your thoughts on the outgoings? Obviously, Mitro is the biggest name there. The, the majority of those other guys aren't really getting a look in last season. I think they, someone said the, they were combined appearances of about nine in total. Mm. Look, we, we've talked about this progressively through the window, and I feel like we've covered it fairly well. Um, there are no big surprises in all of that. Um, I suppose Mitrovic is the melodrama in it all, but yeah, um, I, 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 I still, th- I, I look. That was weird how that came out, but um, running a club, company, whatever, is a combination of managing your cash and also trying to create some capital growth and value um, over the years, and. I get the idea of shedding payroll and some of those guys were on ridiculous salaries compared to their quality and value to us. Um, But you can't really release that many players consistently on freeze and not pick up a penny for them um, when you've paid damn good money for them. That doesn't seem like smart business at all. And that again, smacks to me of either you've just bought poor players who no one wants or People don't want to deal with you and don't want to pay your asking price. I refuse to accept that any player in the Premier League is bad. Like I, ref- I refuse to accept that logic because these are these are elite level athletes to a level. But you of- kind of cause the problem for yourself as well. If you take an average player who has a value, but mm. pay him way too high a salary, you've caused a problem because now oh, yeah, you no, can't that's, get that, rid no. of you can't get rid of him because. Because, you know, he's got wage expectations. So you've absolutely mm. cooked it. Yeah. Ugh. It's, yeah. It's bad business. It's bad, it's business. bad business. It's real. It's really bad business. Jack, you're on mute. You're on mute. Jack, you're on mute. <laughs> My bad. Um, they, they, these guys were bought in four or five years ago, and they did a job at the time, but we actually outgrew them. Which is fine. Which and unfortunately, is fine. they've they're, they're Salaries paid don't too that. highly. That's the problem. They're paid too highly. It's impossible to shift a player at that point because you, you say, right, we want to sell you. And they say, okay, if you're going to sell me, I need to be getting 50000 a week, which is what – it's possible these guys were on 30000 40000 50000 a week. And they're realistically going to go to the championship where 
the the clubs are only willing to offer them half that amount. Now, what can happen sometimes is Fulham allow you to leave, but then Fulham pay your wage while you go and play for another club. Um, and it, that is bad. That's even worse business, letting a player leave but still paying his wage or at least part of his wage. Um, what are you we, saving we on shot dinner ourselves money? In the foot and, <laughs> well, I mean, we just shot ourselves in the foot massively by signing these guys in the first place and signing them to stupid contracts. And I think that sits in the back of the mind when, you do, when you're doing transfers five years down the track and going, oh, we need to be sure when we sign these players that we're making the right decision because otherwise you get Cavaleras and Knockarts sitting and just taking up your wage bill and you, you're having them training with the under-21s and you just cannot shift them afterwards. Um, it, look, in terms of transfers out, if you had to give it a rating out of 10, um, I'll go first and, and just say I think the, the, transfer, the transfers out themselves were fair across the board, I'd say, um, and keeping Polina was a bit of a win for us, I think, even though it was a bit of a weird one. Um, but realistically, Mitro is the only person there who was a first-team player the rest of them were, were squad players just taking up taking up a spot on the wage bill and and getting a handful of occasional appearances but not much more than that so in terms of the outgoing business i think it was pretty good this year probably a seven um not much higher than that sammy your thoughts yeah potentially like a maybe like a five or a six um because look we did get decent money for mitrovic but it's saudi arabian money they're just throwing money around so i can't really put that down to our business acumen and finesse. Um, I, I trans, transfers out. It's fine. It's not good business, but it's it's fine. As you said, we did lie in our wage bill, but yeah, for, for like for these players, we should be we should be at least selling them, or at least in future, God hope in future, we'd be looking to actually sell our players as opposed to let them go on freeze. Dad. Yeah, look, I've already said my piece on this. Um, yep. Nothing to okay. add. Next. I'm glad I threw to you there for, for a comment. Um, let's, let's talk oh, look, we're about... We're an hour the, in. We, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's talk about Polina himself. Oh, and look, there's um, a little bit that's just popped up um, in the last couple of hours, just as we started the podcast. Um Polina's brother has posted on Instagram, and I, I believe Polina's brother yeah. actually represents him. I think his brother and maybe his dad are his representatives. Um, and his brother's post goes as follows: "What about Munich?" Question mark They didn't kill the dream; they just postponed it. Tomorrow, with Portugal, a new stage starts, and Jao is prepared and focused to overcome it. Very proud of my brother and the player I represent. Very big. Um, and then just some thanks to the guys at Bayern. The, the big issue here i think is and i i mentioned it at the start my understanding and from what i've what i've heard and what's been reported is that everything was done very professionally and very by the book where uh bayern came in for Zhao. then i mean it's literally 28 hours before the window closes um fulham agree a deal basically saying we'll accept this much but we'll only sell you if we have if we can organize a replacement. The big problem here is Bayern have come in way too late for Fulham to sign someone of sufficient quality to replace Jaapolinia. Mm. Um Xiao's gone across there. They've they've, you know, 
crossed the T's, dotted the I's, and made sure that if Fulham do find a replacement, um, Polina can sign in time and get everything sorted. So I understand that. They got the pictures taken. Like you said, he's completed his medicals, all that. But at the end of the day, it all hinged on Fulham getting a replacement in. I, I think we we attribute a lot of blame to Fulham for um, accepting the offer in the first place, and it's it's tough to know exactly what was said by Polina and saying he might have, like you said before, he might have down tools and said, I, I really want to go, and I'm not playing unless you give me the opportunity to go. Um, but I, I think we really have to attribute the blame here to Bayern Munich coming in for Fulham's best player, especially after Mitro left, but probably the best player before that anyway, um, with 24 hours left in the window and knowing that we don't have someone as a backup. Um, it, it's 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 ridiculous to try and blame Fulham for, for not being able to bring in a high-quality player last minute and saying, well, you should have let the deal go through because... Um, we really wanted him. Like, that's just not how it works. And I, I'm glad that we did stand our ground there. I was really worried that we would sort of be held to ransom at one point on, on Friday night where, you know, they just go, you know what, we he doesn't want to play for us. We're going to let him go and we'll find someone in January and struggle through until then. I'm glad we didn't do that in a way. Mm. Like, my, I... my... Yeah. No, Dad, you go. Sorry. So, yeah, uh, I've thought about this a lot. I had a rant. Oh, it wasn't a rant. It was an impassioned um, few words that I put out on Twitter yesterday. Yesterday? Day before? Yesterday, I think it was. And I've thought about this some more. And, and I, I actually am a bit confused by this whole um, implied requirement on Fulham to actually even honour and answer um, Bayern or any any club's request at the eleventh hour for one of our players. It, 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 again, if 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 I was running the club, I'd be saying, "You guys, perhaps my starting eleven, or you six people. I'm nominating you guys, and I'm telling you very clearly, this should be your expectation. If someone comes for you in the last three days." We're never going to be able to find a replacement at, at our own pace. And we're not going to feel obliged to let you go. I don't care that you might want to have an ambition. You are a key player in this club. You've paid proper wages. You're looked after. You are not going to be allowed to go because you will break this club. If we do it for one and we do it for all, we're, we're left with nothing. So I don't care that you have an ambition to go play for Bayern Munich. You give me 28 hours to find a, another Jao Polina, um, I'm not interested. Why, why would I actually put myself under pressure as Fulham to try and close that business? I'd simply shut it down and say, you're not available for sale. Mm. Point, point one. Point number two. <laughs> yeah. I'm not done. I'm not done. I know. Go, point, go, go, number, go. point number two. Um, whatever, and Jack and I had a big conversation about the relative market value of Jao Polina, and we can all, we don't know what it is. We know what certain websites say it is, um, but there's a market value and there's, there's a kind of implied value, strategic value to a club, right? Jack's view is his value is um, not far off what we are asking for him. 
um, po possibly more than we're asking, but not way off. Um, I've always held a view that, um, you know, I don't, I don't care how old Declan Rice is. I don't care how old Caicedo is. For the job that Zhao, for the Exocet missile that is Zhao Polini and what he can do for a team, not, you know, not to mention what he does for this Fulham team, he's worth a massive premium. And, and I'd put that as some people would say he represents our ability to stay in the Premier League. I would say he's at least that. So if you can you can measure that in terms of pounds, what it costs you if you get relegated. And so I, I say he's worth at least a hundred million pounds, if not more. And if you can't get him, bad luck. And if if Fulham aren't smart enough to pay the guy big enough wages to keep him happy to stay, then they're the fools. Look for me, for me, like look, there's I've got no issue with Joe Polino having ambition. I've got no issue with him wanting to go to Bayern. I've got no issue with really any any of that kind of thing. I've got no issue on him essentially wanting to strong arm a deal because he has something that he wants to achieve. That's whatever. These these are Premier League players, of course, they have ambition. If they don't have ambition, they're not playing the Premier League. It's as simple as that to me. My issue is why did it go as far as it did? Because you're absolutely right. There was no realistic way that we were ever going to get um, a reasonable replacement for him. I mean, there is there is a rumor going around that Scott McTominay and Hoybier just went, we don't want to go to Fulham, so we can't we can't let this deal go through, which is hilarious in of itself. But the like, yeah, and I think Dad's 100 right. If you are the owners, the managers. You literally go, Jow, you will get your move. We cannot do anything like realistic in this window. And if we did try to do anything, it's just irresponsible. And yet we still tried to do it. We let it go as far as it did. And it's just a really simple conversation. It's literally going, yes, you will get this, but not now because it's, it's unrealistic now. It's and why did we entertain mismanagement. it? It's, so it's ridiculous. It's it's really bad mismanagement of the situation. Mm. You know, the very fact that uh, Zhao had a had a fat lip or he, he was dragging his lip along the ground because he didn't get what he wanted, to actually set the expectation that it might have come off it's is really bad. It's really bad man management. It mm. really is. And you know what? Um, like he, he didn't have a reason to be pissed off before. He actually does have a reason to be pissed off now, in my opinion. Because if I was in his position, I'd probably be like just as annoyed. Because, like, you know what? It's it's fine if you go, Hey, I want this thing, and your employer goes, No. And then you go, Okay, I can suck a little bit, but that's the reality of it. I gotta play like until the January transfer window, but then what whatever, or maybe potentially even longer, but you just set a precedent, you set an idea. This just comes down to like people who don't care when they're running the club because they're not actually they're not actually thinking long term. They're just thinking, how do we get through this moment? And for let for it to go this far, we've just pissed off our best player. And yeah, maybe it will come good. But if I'm Bayern Munich, I don't want to fucking deal with Fulham anymore. Sorry for swearing. Um, but like it's it's just it's so bad. It's it's been handled so, so badly. And yeah, we kept them. But genuinely, at what cost? And I love this man. I, of course, I don't want to see him go. I just bought. I just bought his shirt. Um, like I love him, and I want. I like. I want him to stay at the club. I'll give you but, a fiver for it. Yeah, honestly. But like, like, what's what's happened here as a result of keeping him 
is, yeah, we can say, yeah, we've kept him. It's great. But I feel that in the long run, this is really bad repercussions for us. And it's, ah, uh, I'm, I'm just very annoyed at the cons. And I don't know, Jack, Jack, maybe you can sit on the other side of this debate, but it, it, it just, it, this just feels like a terrible omen. And it feels like we've got what we wanted, but I feel like long term, this is, this is not going to help us. I, I think you're making way too many big sweeping assumptions there. That's that, what I do. Well, that, that we made a bad decision by allowing Polina to go to Bayern and have a chat with them. We we obviously tried to find replacements. We were trying to sign Hoiberg and McTominay. We made inquiries about uh, apparently like 20 different defensive midfielders, but we couldn't get a deal done in the short period of time that Bayern effectively gave us to make that deal happen. Um, but why would you, know, you there was... absorb that pressure and actually put yourself under the pressure of trying to do the ridiculous in 28 hours? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you invite it's, it? It's again. We don't know. No, 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 no. Sam, stop. We don't know what's actually happened there. If Polina has down tools and said, "I'm not training. I'm not playing unless you give me my transfer," do you still stand firm and say and let him play in the under twenty ones and not have him play for the rest of the season, or do you actually well, try and get a deal done to save the rest got... of your season? I think he's got a very, very big legal problem if he actually does that because that would be non-performance of his contract. All the time. No, players do that all the time. It's yeah. impossible to argue that. Players down tools, they get put in the under-21s, they complain about injuries for the rest of the season, and, and it, it happens all the time. Uh, and I feel like there's the potential that that has happened, and I think it's happened in a very friendly manner where Polina said guys, I really want to go to Bayern Munich. Please don't stop this. And he said that this is this is what I want. And I don't think he's done what Mitro did, which is completely down tools. But I think he's, he's basically said, I'd be really upset if you didn't let this happen and please at least try. Well, you and don't know like that gone, either. You no, don't of course that. not. I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. But there's, there's probably, I mean, we all saw Boa's tweet that or Instagram story that he put out basically saying um, you don't have any friends at clubs. People are just there for the money and X, Y, and Z, which again, we don't know again who that was. I, I thought it could have been potentially pointed at the Khans. A lot of people saying it was pointing at Polina, who's basically down tools and had a big falling out with Boa, who he's quite close with in the, in the first place. Like we, we just don't know what's happened behind closed doors. So to make sweeping statements saying, We've done bad by Polina by giving him hope that he'd go to Bayern. I think it could actually be the other way and saying we've actually done good by Polina and allowed him the opportunity to get the deal done in the first place and we just weren't able to do it because Bayern gave us no time to do it. But they also didn't, well, to, to the, the point you're not talking about, in my view, they also didn't bid a fair value to what Polina represents to Fulham Football Club. Mm. So like 60 yeah, I, I agree with that. But again, I feel like Polina's forced the deal to actually try and happen there. And it's and, similar to what think... we saw with Mitro, where I think we should have got 60 or 70 for Mitro based on how Saudis are splashing cash. But we've accepted less because Mitro really wanted to go. And and we saw that he wanted to go and he just went, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Do, do you, do you, can you go back a couple of steps further and say, sure, 
Uh, he wants to play for Bayern. He wants to play Champions League. Great club. Perhaps it's always been a target of his. Fair enough. I've got no problem. The guy actually has ambition. Wonderful. And he deserves to 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 make Absolutely. that. But he is an asset of this club, and we do deserve to actually get fair value for him. I sure, also but think, I'll, and, no, oh, I'll, I'll cut you there, sorry, because no, I'll, I'll no, step back. No, 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 no I have to, because I'll step back two, two more steps and say when Mitro was doing the exact same thing to us, we all said get out of our club, go Fulham, accept any offer and get him gone. So you can't have it both ways Hold and on. say you, if one player downs tools, we allow we should just sell him at whatever the cost. And then if another downs tools, it, we have to stand this is firm. The, this is the peril of in, interrupting someone because you don't actually know what I was going to say. What I was going to say was that the club should have seen this coming a long time ago and actually paid him handsomely, rewritten his contract, paid him very, very well, because I'm sure Polinia's ambition could have been stalled if he was on 150 grand a week at Fulham, which I doubt he's on. I, he's not. He's on 50 grand a week. I don't think this is money-based. And it's, like, my Mitro was money. It's not commensurate. It's not commensurate with his value or, or yeah, money, what he – it's this – 50 grand, his brother and father would be in his ear saying, look at the, the value, look at the money being splashed around. You, you know, you should be getting more. They'd be in his ear. And, sure, and but I, 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 that's a different conversation. That would have been Polina coming forward and saying, there's interest in me, guys. Can I get a better contract? And I reckon Fulham would have done that for him. But I think the, the move to Bayern isn't about getting getting more money. Bayern a, a probably one of the, I think they're second favorites to win the Champions League this year they're definitely going to win the Bundesliga because they always do they've spent big and bought in Harry Kane who's going to make a big difference for them like this mm. is this is your move you reckon, to make your career what do you reckon his wage offer would have been at Bayern not that much more I'm, I'm probably a hundred and he's on 50 now but I think Fulham would happily pay him a hundred I, I don't think Why didn't they? there's again I don't think it would have made a difference I think Jack's right. This isn't motivated by money, this move. Mitro, 100% motivated by money. Um, Polina, I just, don't, I just don't believe he's motivated by money here. I think it's about his future, and I totally get why he would want a future at Bayern because I think that's where you win Champions Leagues and win titles and become so one of the I. best players in the world. So do I. But frankly, he hasn't got the right to dictate what the club should sell him at. No player does. Mm. No player does. Also as well, do we actually know if he down tools? Because I feel like that's, I mean, that's just journalism. I understand that players do it all the time, but he wasn't put in a game where he had to do that. I mean, with Mitrovic, it was obvious. Like he really, really made that known. But like to say like he um, just stopped doing stuff after what, like a day? Because he basically had a day to do this? Like, Come on, guys. I mean, that's that's what was that's what's been said, and we saw you saw what Boa's post was on Instagram. It was basically saying that you know there's someone at the club who has just said they're not doing their job anymore, and you th you used to think they were your mates, and they're not because they're just there for X, Y, and Z. But um, look again, it's it's guessing. I, I don't know if yeah. he down tools or not, but everything seems to point that way, and I think we actually because of everything that happened with Mitro, there's 
seems to be like an understanding now at Fulham that you can just down tools and you'll get sold and you can actually yeah. force you force a deal through. Which again just goes back to Which just when management. you allow these things to happen and when you allow these essentially because you basically just invite anybody to do the exact same thing. It just all comes back to Khan's just mismanagement for me. And like and yeah, you can you can you can blame Palinia, but I do think it started with Mitrovic. And again, I think before Mitrovic, it just started with the cars because he knew that he could stronghold them. And it's just, well, it's just I, what we I, have. I think Mitro is, Mitro is a different beast entirely. And I, I is, think Mitro is, would totally. do that at any club because he's, a, a, I mean, we, we loved him and I, I still love what he did for Fulham, but he's a bit of a dick, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, what what we haven't touched on here and, and it's, it's clearly on everyone's thoughts and lips is the predicament that all of this places Marco in and oh, you know, yeah, man. The, the, the job that the, 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 the man management problems he now has, um, the lack of quality that he surely thinks he asked a week ago, he asked for five players and I'm sure he didn't mean five. Okay. Players. I, I, I'm assuming he meant five great players. And he didn't get even five players, and he didn't get five great players. So this plus Polinia, um, I, you know, there's lots of PR about how great their working relationship is. I would love to be a fly on the wall mm. at Mottsburg Park or wherever his main head office is. Because I tell you what, how can there be steam coming out of his ears? I'll, look, I'll, I'll just I'll just say it point blank. Like, if if Marco Silva walks, how could I actually be upset with him at this stage? Like, how could yeah. I be upset with him? He's a guy sure. with ambition. He got. He's a guy sure. who really wants to make a name for himself in the Premier League. Genuinely has the duels to do he's it. He's proved himself. He's proved. He himself. totally has proved himself. He's got an aggression problem, but I'd be really pissed off as well if I had to deal with all this crap that's going on. Like, how? Like, if 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 Marco Silva moves, like, genuinely. What 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 would we have to say? Like, how could we possibly be annoyed with him given everything that's happened? And, and I just you know think that's massive shame. And you know what? Back to circling back to our previous point, or my point at least. Um, who's gonna if if this sort of shit has gone down, and a manager who's actually done miraculous things and has earned himself a name for it in a year has taken a, you know, a, a modest squad to a tenth finish basically has to walk out the door in frustration. Who's going to come and work for us? Who of quality? Who that you'd actually want? I'm not talking Steve Bruce. I'm not talking (laughs) any of the guys who do a job in the Premier League. I'm talking about the people who we would really want. Graham Potter's far too nice to want to have to deal with all this. He's far too he's far too pleasant and He, 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 he he banked a very nice payoff. He doesn't have to do this shit anymore. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. you got to remember that there's there's only twenty Premier League clubs, and most of the time, all twenty of them have a manager. If a if a Premier League mm-hmm. totally. club opening appears and you're a decent manager, and a club comes in for you in the Premier League, you take that job. It's mm. it's it, even with all the shit going on, it's it's an attractive job nonetheless. And I I don't think we'll have an issue filling it with a decent manager when when and I mean, it's when Silver leaves because I can't imagine he's going to be signing a new contract at the end of the season unless the club gets sold by Christmas. 
But, um, you know, imagine if we got this, like Conte this, or something like that, just something that's just super random based this, on Jack Logic. This isn't this isn't a private little chat, and we're not the only ones talking about it. It's it's an yeah. open secret that people know there must be beef and problems at Craven Cottage or Mosford Park, wherever you want to uh, locate it. There is a problem. Marcus Silva is frustrated, and the reason he's frustrated is because he does not have the support of the owners. It's true. It's yeah, so sad. But, you well. know, um, let's let's be perfectly honest. Um, Scott Parker didn't have the support of the owners. He didn't Slavisi deserve it. Kanovic didn't, didn't have the support of the owners. All of our managers have, have – I mean, it's not a new thing. That managers don't get they support got of away. the owners they, of the cards. They got away with it because they underperformed. Uh, those no, managers um, underperformed. Scott, Scott Parker was Slavisa a massive underachiever. Slavisa brought us up to the Premier League. Um, Parker sure. brought us up to the Premier League. These guys didn't underachieve. They they got us promoted after spending a long time in the championship. What I'm saying is I don't think it's going to be an issue bringing in a new manager because – we keep we keep not supporting our managers, but new managers keep coming in, and they're good managers, not Scott Parker. But Silver came in off the back of two managers well, prior to him not getting any support from the owners, and he came in anyway. Kind of, you could you could keep sacking you know directors of of the NHS, and it's a shit show. But there's always be always be someone to take a, take the job, won't there? Because it's well paid. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Um, Look, what I will say, Silver has addressed um, the the Polinian news, I guess. I'll, I'll read a little bit of the excerpt from it because it's worth at least reporting on a bit. Um, he said it was a tough day for him, definitely probably one of the toughest days of his life. He loves Fulham, he loves football, and he loves being with us. He had a fantastic season last season, and he's always a player that gives 100% for the shirt, but he had a big chance to go to one of the biggest clubs in the world, and he was really close. You can imagine the impact that has on a football player when these types of things happen. He's going to need support from all of us, the coaching staff, our fans, and his teammates. Uh, and the, sorry, I sounded like I was going to keep going there, but that was the end of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and look, I, I think it's obvious that he's he's had a chat with Polina and he's probably had a chat with him as soon as the deal actually fell through and potentially said... Um, uh, you know, Polina could could have been incredibly upset and just gone. You know, I I can't play against Man City. I'm not in the right headspace for it. And I think we can we can bring it back. Uh, and a big thing from here, and we've talked talked about the Khans being useless and our transfer policies being useless. We now know that Polina has one foot out the door. And again, I don't um, hold any ill will against him for that. The, the big thing here is we now have, I mean, hopefully we keep him past January, but we at least have till January to organise a replacement for Polina. And we should know who that's going to be. Um, hopefully we keep him all the way through to the summer, but it's actually the big judgment from here will be how we react to losing Polina when we do finally lose him. The Mitro stuff, that came out of nowhere. We weren't expecting Saudis to come after Mitro. They did. Um, and we lost him. And I understand maybe not being able to react quick enough to that happening because all of a sudden you're scrambling in a market. But we know that Polina is gone. Mm. Um, so now it's about making sure that we're fully prepared for the moment where he actually walks out the door and doesn't come back again. And if but, the Khans always... don't get Sorry, this Jack, right, 
if the Khans don't get this right, then it, it, it can't be anything but Khans out after that, for me at least. Mm. We, we've always known, we've always known that Jao Polinia, can I say it, is too good for Fulham and he'll never yeah. stay. And he's going, sure. This, this is all a little bit sooner than we thought. No, That's the issue. He, it's sooner yeah, than but we no, thought. No, no, no one blames the guy for his ambition. He deserves to be really well paid because I'm assuming there's an uplift in his salary. And that was, I'm, I'm saying it's part of it because I don't think he's well enough. How, how can he be getting 50 grand, 60 grand, even 70 grand a week? And old Muggins, you know, what was the guy's name who went out on loan? Uh, sorry, uh, who, who went out on a free? A couple of them were on 100 grand a week. Not and not even but getting yeah, they would have been on similar wages. Right? Mm. Uh, so you can understand, he'd be thinking, what kind of a fool am I? So he deserved to be on, that deserved to be sorted out, okay? But I, I, I think it's ludicrous for anyone to set an expectation for, for Zhao that he could be let slip out the door in 28 hours. And I feel sorry for Silver for having to tidy this up publicly, for having to actually mend bridges with the fans and keep the crowds off Polinia's back so that he doesn't actually have a mental breakdown and uh, not perform because, frankly, his expectation was set on Thursday night and that was not fair. That mm. was not fair. And so this is a mismanagement and I feel very sorry for both Shao Polinia and Marcus Silva in the situation. No one else. I I don't fully agree that I, I don't fully agree with that. I I don't think we've done bad by Polinia by letting him try and get a deal done. Uh, I and I I get the point you're making, but I I just feel like it's it's not that simple. And and there was we, no we, chance. It's a lot of guesswork. Finding a replacement. But no, but we tried to get a replacement in, and we we just couldn't get the deal done. But at least we did try, which means that we actually were attempting to give Polinia what he wanted, and we did right by Polinia there. So you feel sorry for him because we weren't able to get it done in time. But I don't think we, I, I don't think again. I'm saying it here: the blame is on Bayern for coming in for our best player a day before the window closes and expecting if us to be able can to replace. Do, they can do whatever they want. Of course party. they can, but if they, you're if they, you're looking they can for do whatever they want, if you're looking for the reason the deal didn't go through, it's because Bayern didn't come in a week before that. If they'd come in a week before that, Polina would be a Bayern player now. They come in and on the final day. In, they can't expect to get a deal done if quick enough. If, if they come in and offered eighty million pounds, then Fulham probably would have sold him and said, "Luke Harris, you got a new job," and they would have found a way. They would have it's, him. it's guesswork, but it's it's possible. That is possible. Um, and look, I think we we genuinely were looking at um, Andre from from Brazil to come in at, in preparation for Polina leaving. But obviously, they they shut that down by saying he can't leave until January, which didn't work for us. I think we were trying to pre prepare for Polina. It just didn't work out this summer, um, and put that down to the Khans being useless at their jobs or. Um, the Brazilian club just holding firm and saying we're not selling him because we need him for our Europe, uh, their continental competition or whatever it was. Um, uh, uh, it's it's complicated, uh, uh, but I'm definitely not 
going to be um, defending the Khans as much as I have done in the past because I think they've <laughs> they've overall Good. had a very poor transfer window. Um, and yeah, it's it's just it's been disappointing more than anything. Um, but look, let's let's move on from talking about um, how bad the Khans are and finish off this one just with a a bit of a chat about um, Mohammed Al Fayed who sadly passed away on transfer deadline day. Just to highlight how poorly the Khans had been doing, we all were um, unfortunately forced to remember uh, the the man who turned Fulham around and. Um, it was unfortunate for the reasons uh, that he passed away, um, and yeah, it's it's he was the owner obviously when I first started supporting Fulham, and same for you as well, Dad, I guess. Um, and so I think for the fact that he he came in and picked up this club who was sitting in the bottom division um, with a bit of a rundown stadium and you know low league players, and just pumped money into us and said let's turn Fulham into the Man United of the South. He didn't quite get that far, but, um, you know, considering, like I said to you at the start, Sammy, we were going away and losing at Carlisle. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, I mean, it's 15 years after he took over, we were playing in a European final. It's kind of crazy to think about, um, think about that. And there's not many clubs out there who've managed to have that kind of turnaround. I think Brighton are probably the only other one who have really gone from the depths that we were at to the heights that um, that we actually ended up reaching. So it, it's it's sad. Obviously, he's been away from the club for 10 years now, but he'll always be fondly remembered. And, you know, he, his song still gets sung on the on the terraces every week. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it is sad that, um, that, unfortunately, he's passed away. Do you guys want to yeah, pass any so. other comment on that? Yeah, for those of you who didn't hear my rant on uh, Twitter yesterday... Um, I, as I said, as Jack uh, commented earlier, absolutely ironic that uh, Al Fayed passes away around the time that um, the Fulham fans are broadly speaking up in arms at the way things have been managed, and just the kind of um, the, the 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 lack of soul, ambition, and passion that seems to be uh, at the heart of our ownership. And um, you could say what you like about Mo uh, Al Fayed, and he was an absolute character. And and I think a lot of people have fairly rose-coloured glasses when they remember him. But certainly in the Fulham context, um, he he funded, powered, and bankrolled a, a pretty amazing time. And for the pleasure he gave to fans, he will be <coughs> fondly remembered, and that and deservedly so. Um, but that's the kind of guy you want owning, owning your club. You know, someone who actually cares, turns up every week, waves the flag around, does a few silly things, does a few crazy things. It's not all, or it, it wasn't all good um, in terms of what he did at Fulham. Um, but, you know, he, he was an amazingly passionate owner. And I think we're sadly reminded of that at the moment. And we're craving it. We want it. And uh, I just don't think we're going to get it from the incumbents, which is very sad. Yeah, like I think um, uh, he he does hark back to a simpler time where um, owners typically had a deep love or an ambition or a dream associated with uh, 
like the clubs that they bought into. And um, yeah, as as football progresses, um, the only people who can buy um, the sorts of teams that we're talking about um, will have less motivations driven by uh love and desire and passion and i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure um mo had his agendas of what he wanted to achieve and why but i think you can never um dispute the care in which he handled um the club and everything that he did and um yeah i we're if you can if i know you should never do it but if you can if you compare the cons now it's it's a I don't know. It's it's sad at best, and I imagine when whoever we sell to next, I imagine we'll still um, long for an owner like Mo. So yeah, it's just sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's true. And as a few people have mentioned in the comments there, and it's it's such a stark contrast to what we've got with the Khans. Our fired was always at the ground, and he he made mention of how. Um, he used to get to Fulham and even if he'd had a terrible week, it would make him feel better instantly. And he said, I'd always go out onto the ground beforehand so the fans knew that I was there and could see that the owner was at the game, wave his massive scarf around and sit in the cottage. And look, I, I don't even know how much our fight actually loved football, but mm. even then he was there every single week watching every single game and actually just there. And doing it, and and I don't know if you guys have seen all the the tributes on Twitter of some of the ex players. I saw like Mike Taylor, um, saying you know how he was such a big part of the club back then in the early days when we made our way up to the Premier League, and he was in and around all the players all the time, and um, he was just there. He was a fixture, and that's what you want from an owner, someone who is there. And I we I look back at um, you know the the. Leicester owner who sadly passed away in that helicopter crash, um, oh, yeah. but how loved he was by the squad because he was always there and knew every single one of them personally, knew their families, and that's what our fired was for Fulham. And I, I, I would love, and I really hope that um, when the Cards do sell Fulham, we find someone like our fired in the future. And look, he, he definitely wasn't perfect. I think we can all we all know the stories about everything that happened and. Um, I don't think there's any club owner who is perfect, but the passion and the the love that he gave to the club um, was something that hasn't been replicated since. And it's something that I think all of us, especially at the moment, are really missing. Um, and so, yeah, rest in peace, Chairman Mo, because uh, we, we definitely miss having someone like that at the helm of the club. Um, and look, on, on that note, guys, I think we can wrap up a, a long one tonight, but a, a very necessary conversation to have because so much has happened, as I made the title of this podcast, the debacle, the drubbing and the director, because it's just been nonstop. But the Polina debacle, the drubbing by City and the passing of Alfired, um, a big couple of days in uh, for Fulham Football Club and... I'm hoping now with the break for the international window, we get a chance to breathe again and um, everything gets to settle down a little bit from here. So fingers crossed we get back on track and by the time we play Luton, things are looking a little bit rosier for us and um, yeah, Fulham are back on on the right path for hopefully um, what should be a successful season. And look, with four points from four games, I think most of us would have taken that at the start of the um, start of the year. 
maybe got our points in slightly different ways than we expected, but we're there anyway. So, um, yeah, looking forward to having a bit of a break and a bit of a mind refresh and a reset over the next couple of weeks uh, as we continue the season on. So, look, Sammy, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you. I like, I do like when we do the big long ones where I feel that we have to vent every fan's frustrations. I always feel that we do it relatively well. I don't know, maybe, maybe the people in the comments might disagree, but I feel that we do it well. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just so happy the transfer season is finally over. And even, even when like all like the dust settles on this, it's just so nice that next week or whenever we podcast next, we're just going to be talking about football again, and not yeah. all the other, not all the other drivel. And I feel and I'm so I'm so looking forward to covering that with you guys, just simplifying all these conversations. But yeah, yeah. in the meantime, thanks for having me. You know, you know the the real <laughs> shame of it though is that uh, there's a few transfer um, windows still open around Europe oh, and around the rest of the world. So, oh, um, bugger off! Then... Like, I'm sick of it. I'm so <laughs> done. I'm so done. I'm so um, tired. But I, I very much do agree. Uh, anyway, Dad, thank you as well for joining us tonight. Yeah, um, interesting Father's Day. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I, I didn't realise I was going to get therapy as well for Father's Day, but uh, <laughs> uh, enjoyed it nonetheless. Thanks, guys. Well, at least it's a free therapy session. You haven't had to pay through the <laughs> nose for it. So, um, Right, well, let's sign off there. So until next time. Everyone, enjoy your international break and come on, you whites. Mm-hmm.